0: Welcome to NR92's The Feed, the only radio show
1: worth... Billions and billions and billions and billions dollars. One hundred billion dollars.
0: It's time for The Feed.
2: Hello and welcome to The Feed. I'm Jesse. This is Dan. Today's topic is money. We all love it and we wish we had a lot of it. First up, we're going to have Jet, who talks about financial literacy then Ben has a story on the J.R. Shaw School of Business here at Nate. Sam Sue's going to talk to us about the tuition freeze, and after the break, Eddie is going to speak to us on sports gambling. And to wrap it all up, Mackenzie's going to teach us how to keep a little more money in our pocket.
3: We got a full plate coming today. Now, money is not everywhere; it's everything. No one knows for sure who invented money, but people believe that metal objects were first used as money as early as 5,000 BC. That's only 7,000 years ago. Imagine being the first person to walk up with someone and say, here, take this metal object that I've assigned value to and give me that chicken in exchange. Jesse, if you were the owner of that chicken, what would you say if I offered you a metal coin? I would have said, no, chickens are the lifeblood of society right now. I think you're a poor negotiator. You know how much money that little first coin would be worth? Nowadays, money has turned such a complex part of society. It's moved around digitally, physically, and I spend it stupidly. Learning about money starts from an early age and often becomes more of a taboo subject than it isn't taught in schools.
2: Financial literacy is often something that is absurdly taught as a piece of education outside the general curriculum. It seems crazy not to educate kids on how to work with money when it is almost literally the lifeblood of society. Jed had the chance to
3: talk to someone who taught myself about financial literacy in high school and he got a little tidbit of information from
4: Yeah, one of the things I really struggle with is just the idea of money. It's very complex and it's very hard to understand, especially when you're just a new young lad just hitting the, like, hitting the roads and the streets for the first time in their life. So I talked to somebody who teaches high schoolers financial literacy. One of the hardest things to wrap your head around when you're young is money. From budgeting to taxes to the mere ideas had kids like me dreading the day they have to set foot out into the real world. Although some parents may have an idea of how to manage money, it can still be a daunting task for some kids to handle when they have to deal with the stresses of living on their own after leaving high school. In addition, most schools in Canada haven't even set up mandatory programs for students to learn financial literacy. Randy Rosen is a program manager at the Junior Achievement of Northern Alberta, a nonprofit organization that focuses on teaching the youth the basics of entrepreneurship, work readiness and financial literacy. He says that today's youth aren't being taught what they need to learn when it comes to their finances.
5: Well, I don't think they're learning enough. I think schools are trying really hard to focus on work readiness and trying to apply things in high school years to how that relates to jobs, but I don't think there's nearly enough work being done on understanding how to balance your checking account, understanding how a mortgage actually works or a credit card, how it actually works. And I know this because I spent most of my life in banking and I can see firsthand most adults didn't understand these things because they weren't taught them. In
4: 2019, the average post-secondary student will spend approximately $24,000 per year without being too cautious about their money. And for those who are cautious, may be spending approximately $16,000 per year. One of the things Randy focuses on when teaching is understanding how much the basic necessities of life actually
5: cost. I do a budget activity with kids in grade nine and High school, and it's always just so eye opening when I ask them to figure out how much you can spend this month just on food. It's always so low, you know. And and then I I break it down to a day what happens if you go to Tim Hortons in the morning, you get a coffee and a muffin? and then, you know, maybe you buy lunch and eat dinner at home. You know, there's 15 bucks right there. 15 bucks times 30, right? It it adds up quick.
4: But there are solutions to this problem. Virtually anyone can get a grasp on budgeting if they take the time to learn it. And one of the things that Randy recommends is simply keeping track of the spending.
5: Every single day when you get home, on a little piece of paper, write down exactly how much money you spent, to the penny. Just by being conscious and aware of what you're spending, it will immediately cause you to spend less. And the more you're aware, the more conscious you'll be about whether it's worth spending money on something, but do you really need it?
4: So if you're a youth heading out of high school or a university student who's finishing their last semester, be sure to understand that there's a lot more to money than just spending it. It was really awesome to talk to this guy because like I already mentioned before, I really do suck with money. I'm a very kind of a frugal spender and to be kind of, you know, even just talking about money and understanding, you know, like basic things on how to like balance a budget and, you know, monitor what you spend is kind of like, it's got me on a bit of a better money spending groove right now.
3: Yeah. I'm the same way. He talked to me one time when I was young, he's my hockey coach and the way he broke it down to me was, he made it simple. He's the only person that's ever actually broke down money to me.
4: Yeah. And it was pretty much the same thing with me too. And it's just kind of, it's very, it's very awesome to hear from that too. And especially given that he's teaching high schoolers as well. It's definitely
2: something that should be taught from an early age.
4: Yeah. And like I said, uh, before I was doing research, um, and apparently like they're slowly implementing it to be a mandatory program. But right now, most schools that have it may leave it as an optional program, which I don't think is a good
2: thing. I think it needs to be mandatory these days. Exactly. And taking that education to the next level after high school, students can often choose to pursue a financial education or similar business related education. Right here at Nate, we have the Jr. Shaw School of Business. And Ben got to find out a little bit more about how the students are educated when it comes to finances.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I actually talked to my friend Josh, who's in a second-year finance student, and I learned that the business program is large. It's like one of our biggest schools on campus. There's like six different programs. There's accounting, entrepreneurship, finance, human resources, management, and marketing. So I talked to him to find out just a bit about the program. Nate's business school is one of the biggest faculties in all of Nate. I talked to a second year finance student, Josh Aberly, and he gave me a little bit of insight into why he, in particular, went to Nate.
6: Honestly, I want to make money once I graduate. I think it's one of the actually better business programs in the city because I read at least a few years ago I think we had one of the highest like after graduation higher rates so I think it's one of the more popular just business programs in general. It's a really good groundwork for pretty much whatever you want to do afterwards. It teaches you a lot of things about the world that you just didn't learn before that.
0: I got Josh to specifically break down a little bit of what the program looks like and maybe why it's so successful.
6: There's like the year one where you take a little bit of everything just to kind kind of see what you're interested in. So there's like marketing, econ, finance, management, communications. And then once you hit year two, you start just kind of doing what it is that you're emphasized in. And then year three and four is specifically focused on what it is that you're doing. They teach you pretty much how to do all of your own financials, really. Like we've literally taken a class that was a month of just your own taxes. Then there's financial planning. It just teaches you how to manage your own money a lot better.
0: Last year, Nate had an 88% aftergraduate placement rate. And it may be due to some of the reasons that Nate's program stands out a bit. Josh talks about some of the benefits that Nate brings to the table.
6: One or two times a month, there's uh, employers coming in from pretty much like all over the city and even outside of the city that are just there to try and grab Nate's students and it's a good like networking opportunity. We have a lot of those presented to us. It gives you a good chance to network and talk to people that could one day be your future employers.
0: Finally, I asked Josh if he had any tips about breaking into business or the financial market in general that he's learned here at Nate.
6: Don't just invest in something think as people tell you to, simply because if they know everything else knows, and you're not going to make as much money as you could be just investing in something else that and if you don't know the financial market at all, get a broker or stick purely to bonds.
0: Yeah, so obviously, there's a lot going on to business that I don't know a lot about. So uh, I might be talking to him in the future for maybe my own business needs.
2: He does give some good advice at the end there where he says, uh, consult an expert about it. And I think that's like very, uh, very valuable. you were not going to trust, you know, a radio student like us to invest their money you should talk to a professional about it
0: yeah I feel like that goes for like almost every profession there is professionals for a reason and especially in money because it's such a huge part of your yeah. life you should really invest in that for yourself you have to it's very important
3: now in order to go to school like that you got to pay tuition and that education isn't free it's not like we live in Germany or Sweden or any other country like that here in Canada tuition is subsidized but it can still be costly for some Sam talked to Jason Roth, the Nate's Advocacy Director, about tuition prices here on campus.
7: Yes, so the lift of the tuition freeze was a big thing for students after the budget and I was able to talk to the Advocacy Director of Nate to hear about his opinions and thoughts on this big fiasco. Tuition costs are a big chunk of why students have no money. I mean, not literally of course, but it is a lot of money. So when cuts were made to advance education and the five-year freeze on tuition was cancelled in Alberta, it's safe to say it's been a little unsettling. NAITSA's advocacy director, Jason Roth, says that the events came as no surprise to him.
1: I think that some of us were calling this about five years ago when they brought in the freeze on tuition. And uh, we were one of the groups that had advised the government that that wasn't a particularly good idea. Uh, That was two governments ago, uh, because we know that when you freeze tuition for a period of time, that when the freeze gets lifted, well, then you pay through the nose, don't you? And um, we were always concerned about what was going to happen when that tuition freeze got lifted. And uh, sadly, we were right. I mean, voters, voters told them what they wanted. Right? I mean, they, they knew what they were getting when they overwhelmingly elected a United Conservative Party government.
7: Alberta post-secondary institutions will expect provincial grants to be cut up by up to 7.9% this year alone. And the five-year freeze on tuition fees will be cancelled in 2020 to 2021.
1: You're never happy when you see an effective increase over three years of about 23% with compounding. You know, we think that's excessive. Um, However, you know, this year it's going to be 7% for September 2020. Does that mean that it has to be 7%? No. Uh, The government has only raised the amount that they are allowing institutions to increase tuition. Nate doesn't have to increase 7%, and so... You know, our job will be to try and convince them that that's not a good idea to, if they're going to raise tuition, that it should be less than 7%.
7: Moving forward, Roth says that Nate will continue to build a relationship with the government in hopes of lowering tuition in future years. I think
1: that we have a duty to represent our students to the government and maintain a positive relationship with the government. And we're going to do that. Next year, when we take a look at what the budget's going to look like, you know, maybe we can we can lobby them to have a, a lesser increase next year.
7: Interest rates on Alberta student loans will also increase to prime plus 1%, costing the average student paying off a standard $30,000 loan over 10 years, an additional $15 per month. The tax credits could cost a full-time student up to $1,000 per year under current guidelines. Yeah, so my eyes were really opened about how much tuition could potentially rise um, in the next coming years for students. Talking to someone like Jason, who is knowledgeable about the relationship between Nate and the government, was really a good experience for me overall.
2: I think you're right that it's eye-opening. As someone who wants to pursue a further education, uh, it has to be worth it to do it. If Mm -hmm. it's too much money to learn how to make money, then it doesn't become worth it, right?
7: Yeah, of course.
2: Coming up after the break, we are going to have Eddie and Mackenzie join us in studio.
7: Okay, now back to the feed on NR92.
2: Welcome back to the feed. We already spoke to Jet, Ben, and Sam. All this talk about money is making me realize that I'm not too good with my finances. And it's something I think we could all improve in unless we're a billionaire, in which case we have so much money we couldn't spend it in 10 lifetimes. A Meggie, you'll be pretty sick. And a private jet. 10 cars. And 20 houses. You know, Jesse, I think
3: we're on the same wavelength here. Now, we can all spend money in stupid ways. We know that. Buying that coat, we really don't need. Those shoes, we just can't afford. But one of the worst ways to waste your money is expecting something from nothing. And that's called gambling. Me, being myself, Jesse, and our friend Eddie, have recently taken up sports betting. And Eddie has quickly learned that there can be a cost to it.
8: Yeah, yeah, you can... uh can uh, lose a couple bucks real quick. I also talked to one of our other friends who is new to the gambling game, Paul, and he gave some insight on uh, what's it like to start out gambling. Sports betting has been around for a very long time, but for a few of us, it's as new as the newest baby in the newest hospital. I talked to Paul Haleva, an avid sports fan, who just recently got
9: swept up into the world of sports betting. And I thought I'm not, I, had, I knew enough about sports to just kind of play along. I was like, I think I can get a couple bucks here and there. So I signed up, made an account, and started betting as well. Sports betting can be a
8: very difficult world to traverse, with many traps, false odds, and over-unders that look just too good to be true. With all of these possible distractions and ways to lose significant cash, I asked Paul if there's any strategies that he used to help get an edge.
9: Usually the bets that I make are like, uh, which player will score in hockey, or uh, a lot of bets that I'm doing in hockey are like, will, the, will these two teams score more than like six and like six or more goals? And like if there are two teams that are like, known for their high goal scoring, I feel like that's a very easy bet. Like in basketball, if a team's doing really bad, I usually bet against the uh, other team that they'll win by a certain amount of points, just so then it's at least, like, in my eyes, it's guaranteed money. A strategy that Paul also uses is his small bets, rarely going above $5 on one.
8: I asked him if he thinks that once he gets more experienced in the gambling community, that he might increase the risk-reward potential on his bets.
9: I think over time, once I get more confident with uh, you know kind of like, I guess you want to say like the back end of the gambling side of sports, there's a couple of boxing fights I see in the future that I might go a little bit heavy on just because I feel like boxing's a, a pretty big sport when it comes to bets.
8: When asked if he thinks gambling can lead to addiction, Paul answered straight to the point.
9: Absolutely. There's um, there's just like that like satisfaction of just like winning. It, it, it obviously is a problem because that's how you get into trouble with like certain people. And I feel like if you, like everyone has to know the potential risk. Now, I don't think Paul is going to be getting chased
8: down by uh, bookies or loan sharks anytime soon. But he does bring up a good point. If you are considering starting gambling and especially sports betting, Make sure you set limits and you stay within them. Be smart with your money, and your money will be smart with you. Yeah, so it was really interesting talking to Paul uh, about getting some insight on the gambling. Uh, I also did some research on how popular gambling is in Canada. It is a $4 billion business. In Canada right now, just in
2: Canada. Just so in Canada. That's a pretty big market. Wow.
8: Huge market, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people at Nate are. There's a lot of sports fans especially in Edmonton and in Nate, especially. So I, I'm sure a lot of people have either tried it or are doing it.
2: I think uh, Paul brings up a pretty good point too about having a staking plan. A uh, staking plan, like one to two percent of your total budget, you can you can bet. So if you got twenty bucks, you can you can bet like at most twenty cents. Yeah, that's yeah. the idea behind it. Eddie, what was your initial investment? Uh, Around
3: $40. And what is in your account currently? Less than that. It was great talking to you guys.
2: uh, So, (laughs) Okay, well, now when we we don't really want to end on that note. So when nothing else is working and you're losing money hand over fist or just plain mismanaging your finances, that's when an accountant becomes important. Mackenzie spoke to an accountant, and she's here to help us all keep a little more money in our Gucci wallets.
10: Yeah, so I got to talk to my aunt, who's an accountant, and I got to learn a little bit about the mistakes that people commonly make when they're managing their money, and she had some great advice for students like us. An accountant is someone whose job is to keep or inspect financial accounts. Carol Gervais has been doing just that for the last 16 years here in Edmonton. One of her favorite parts of being an accountant is that every day is different and you never know what your day is going to look like until you get to the office. Because it depends on the company
11: that you work for and the type of accounting you're doing. For me, I've had a variety of different experience and um, currently I'm working for a public practice Uh, accounting firm, which means I see a multiple number of different um, companies and I get to do a a variety of different things. There's seriously no two days that are the same. So contrary to what a lot of people would probably think about accounting, I find it extremely interesting. Um, and challenging
10: and a lot of fun. It isn't easy balancing school with money. According to Statistics Canada, the average debt for a graduating college student who has been out of school for three years was somewhere between $12,000 and $19,000. The graduating post-secondary class of 2018 was recorded to have 69% of people in debt after graduation. It's important for students to learn to manage their finances during post-secondary, minimize debt after graduation. I asked Carol to give her best advice to students balancing finances with post-secondary and she has one key tip for all students. Get into the habit
11: of of really paying attention to how much you're spending because it just doesn't get any easier if you need to if you want to do it now if you pay attention to what you're doing now you're just going to be a a better a better spender and a better saver in the long run. And the people that I've seen with the most wealth are the people who've learned how to manage their money really early on in life.
10: She says that most people make the same mistake when it comes to managing their finances. They spend more than they make and they
11: just don't look at the numbers. Um, It's so simple. If if you pay attention to um, what you're spending every month and comparing it to what you make, and actually setting the you know a budget which no one likes the word and no one likes to do it but it makes a huge difference.
10: Carol thinks a great way for people to learn more about managing their money early is by teaching more about it in schools.
11: I actually think it should start from uh, kindergarten. I think that everybody should be taught how to budget. It should be part of the curriculum from kindergarten to to grade 12.
10: As a nation, Canada has managed to rack up over $15 billion in student debt, and according to the Canadian Student Loan Program, most students take 10 years just to pay off their student loans. Yeah, so it was really awesome to talk to my aunt about something that she was clearly very passionate about, and that it's definitely going to help me as well. I always knew that saving my money wasn't something that I did well, but having an accountant telling me that really helped uh, get it into my brain, so maybe I'll stop spending so much.
3: What would you think your aunt would say about Eddie's gambling habits?
10: That they're a problem and that he shouldn't do it and that you don't spend money that you don't have on stuff you don't know you're going to get anything from.
2: So this weekend, are you going to apply the learnings from your aunt or are you going um, to...
10: Well, the Oil Kings are having mystery pucks, a jersey auction, and a locker room sale. So I'm going to be applying the tips after this weekend. Next weekend, weekend. Okay, yeah. put it off
2: another weekend. Yeah. I got you. Okay, fair enough. Uh, In my mind, I hope these stories will help me turn my financial habits around, but let's be real, not too sure if it will. Me neither. Thank you for joining us for The Feed this week. Next week's topic is alcohol, and your hosts are going to be Jet and Eddie. Tune in again on Sunday at 7 p.m. to hear us talk all about money all over again.